social leading, social learning, and a successful certificate program. Social Fish Maddie Grant talks about all three in this episode of the Learning Revolution Podcast. Hello, hello, this is Jeff Cobb back with yet another action-packed episode of Learning Revolution. In case you are new or your memory is a little foggy, Learning Revolution is the show that is all about helping you grow an audience, build a thriving training and education business, and change the world. Folks, you may or may not know this, but I am an entrepreneur at heart. In fact, other than my, well, probably too long stint as a PhD candidate, aka a low-paid professor, I've spent most of my career either starting and running my own businesses or helping other people do the same. So I am really excited to be talking in this episode with Maddie Grant, a bona fide entrepreneurial success. I first met Maddie a number of years ago when she was working for an association and writing a blog called Diary of a Reluctant Blogger. Turns out she wasn't really all that reluctant. She went on from there to co-found, along with Lindy Dreyer, a social media strategy firm called Social Fish. And they've become really the go-to social media people in the association and nonprofit world. Not coincidentally, learning and education have been a core part of Social Fish's success. And one of the things I really wanted to talk with Maddie about in this show is Social Fish's new Private Community Manager Certificate Program. That's quite a mouthful, but it's an offering that is already enjoying a great deal of success. I know you're going to get a huge amount of value out of hearing about that and from everything else Maddie has to say. So, enough with the preliminaries. Let's get going on the interview with Maddie Grant. So I am joined today by Maddie Grant, who is the co-founder and chief social strategist for Social Fish, and she is also the co-author, along with Jamie Nodder, of Humanize, How People-Centric Organizations Succeed in a Social World. Maddie, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Well, it's, you know, we've been trying to connect for quite a while now and uh, running into hitches. So it's great to finally have you on the line to talk. And um, I know that there are a significant number of folks out there who are going to know who you are and know what Social Fish is. But, but just for, for those who may not be familiar with you yet, can you, can you give us the quick high level on who is Maddie Grant and, and, and what is Social Fish? <laughs> sure. So uh, Social Fish um, is a social media strategy consulting firm. Um, it's myself and my partner, Lindy Dreyer, and we work um, with associations and nonprofits. What we do is what we call social media infrastructure. So we help organizations build the long-term capacity for social media management, which means the um, people and process stuff, you know, the, who's, who's responsible for doing the work, um, hiring for social media positions, setting up internal teams, um, workflow, you know, editorial calendars, content strategy, and then social media governance, which is basically policies. We do a lot of social media policy work. So all of those things that enable that long-term infrastructure for doing the work of social media management. And now I remember when I when I first uh, met you, which I don't know how many years ago that was. Uh, you a were a long time ago, yeah, a long time ago, yeah. And and you were not doing social fish at that point. And in fact, I can. I can remember one day uh, we were having an email exchange about something, and I'll just kind of paraphrase here, but I, I know I had just done a blog post or something like that, and you were 
lamenting the fact that, you know, you, you, you had to do your day-to-day association work and you wish you could really dive into this social media stuff full time. And at, <laughs> at, that, at that point, you were calling yourself the reluctant blogger. You, ha- you had the diary of a reluctant blogger. And then I remember within months of that, you had done it. You had, you had made that jump. So can, can you tell folks a little bit about, you know, how'd you do that? I mean, what, you know, what, what did it take to make that leap? And then what are some of the the key factors that, you know, made you successful in, in building your, your current audience and business? Yeah, well, it's funny because I started blogging in 2007 and um, I was blogging about association management issues because I was um, administrative director for a small healthcare association at the time. Um, and I met my partner, Lindy, through our blogs. She was a marketer working for a marketing agency and she was blogging about association marketing. So uh, we met through our blogs and we both started talking a lot about social media and how social media was changing the way that associations were starting to communicate with their members. Um, and little by little, we started speaking on social media topics together um, at different conferences. Um, and we were eventually approached by a technology vendor who said, you know, we are building private communities for our uh, association clients, but we can't really help them with the strategy part. We can't help them, um, you know, really understand how to launch the community in the right way beyond the technological implementation stuff. Um, And we can't really help them understand how to nurture the community over the long term. So is this something that you guys could do for us? And it took about maybe 10 seconds for us to look at each other and say, yeah, actually we could do this and we could do this for a lot of people. And, you know, we've been asked for advice on these social media issues for a long time now. So let's do it. And, um, and so we launched our business in 2008. Um, and it's just been amazing ever since. And how important would you say social media has been, for you in, in building your social media business? I mean, you blog, you're on all the social networks. Is that a, is that a critical component to how successful you've been? Um, I think it's, it's actually, that's an interesting question because I think the fact that Lindy and I are both early adopters was crucial to, to launching the business. We obviously had to be ahead of the curve. We had to understand what all the different tools were about and how to use them in order to be able to teach that stuff to our clients. Um, so, you know, you, every social media person, and this goes for the people that we help to hire as well, we all need to have that kind of early adopter curiosity about social media. Um, but the interesting side to it is that I am very extroverted on social media. I'm all over Twitter. Um, you know, I use all of the different sites, but Lindy is actually not. So we have kind of both sides of that coin where you can be very interested in the tools without necessarily being in every single social media space. That's funny now that you say that. I I, I think I hadn't really quite tuned into that uh, before, but I I see what you're saying now. I mean, you are out there and and, and Lindy, not so much. well, and the other piece of that actually is that we, when we started our business, we conjoined our blogs together. So her marketing blog and my, mm. uh, with the blog that was originally called Diary of Reluctant Blogger, um, we put those together into our Social Fish blog. But now, you know, five years down the line, that's really become 
my job is to be the the editor for for this blog, which has turned into a huge, huge kind of media property. I've got thirty people who write for me. Wow, the blog, yeah. <laughs> so I don't really know how that happened. It was little by little over time, um, but that's that's very much a kind of an external face of our company. Whereas Lindy really does a lot of the much deeper uh, client work. So we have very different roles in the company. Gotcha, gotcha. That, that's amazing that, it, that it's grown to, to that size. And now, you know, from my perspective, ha- having seen you take off over the, the, the past few years, um, I mean, I regard you as a, certainly a, a teacher in uh, the association sector and the nonprofit sector. So people, you know, really look to you for learning about social media and, and how they can use that in their enterprise. I also look to you as a as a leader, which I think a lot of people do. And um, in, and as I say that, I have in the back of my mind uh, your book, Humanize, which I think you and Jamie both say is is really a book about leadership. So, I mean, here's my question: How, in your mind, do teaching and leadership, and for that matter, learning, all fit together? Well, there's there's multiple different ways, but since you mentioned the book, I'll just start by saying that the, the book Humanize um, actually grew out of a presentation that Lindy and Jamie Nodder and I did called um, How Social Media Changes the Way You Work. So the book is about the, the disruption of social media as it relates to management, not just marketing. Mm. Um, so that relates to um, leadership and learning, both of which are, are, I mean, it's technically a leadership book, much more than a social media book. But we specifically talk about learning as a skill that in this new digital, more open, more collaborative world, you know, we, we have to encourage that, that learning throughout an organization in much different ways than, than we traditionally use it. Um, so just, I mean, social media is a vehicle for that kind of, of peer-to-peer learning as it is, um, but it's a way to, or we talk about different ways to make that much more proactive and to really embed that kind of collaborative learning in, in the way that you manage an organization um, and the way that you manage, you know, internal um, silos, for example, mm-hmm. and the way that you communicate with your customers versus um, your internal, your staff internally. And all of these things have a learning element. Um, there's also a big chapter about um, experimentation, which of course, you know, related to social media is, is um, that's one of the places where um, all kinds of companies are, they basically have to experiment more and more because with social media, it only works if you kind of work out loud and in the public sphere, you know, you set up a site and you see if people gravitate towards it or not. So there's kind of an innate experimentation just in doing social media as it is. Um, There's no such thing we say as best practices for social media, although of course there are better and worse ways to do it, but there's no kind of set in stone rules as to how you, how you do that that kind of work. So we're all experimenting all of the time, but you know what we say in the book is that in this new digital world, that's a good thing, and we need to do more of it as opposed to being afraid of that kind of experimentation, and as opposed to learning being 
very um, closed and linear. Learning now has to be something that we do all the time and is just much more embedded in, in everything that we do. And how do you see that applying to organizations like, you know, trade and professional associations, or, or this might extend to even, you know, training firms or, or anybody who's really serving a, a market for continuing education, professional development, where, I mean, traditionally it has been about very formal types of learning, you know, courses, uh, seminars, conference sessions. Um, how do you see social fitting into how those organizations need to be thinking about learning and for that matter about leading in, in the sectors where they're working? Yeah, well, there's two sides to it and it's very much a metaphor for social media in general. So if you think about social media being the this whole two-way conversation, which of course now at this point is kind of a cliche, but it's still very true. So you know, before we used to promote and broadcast and market all of our stuff to, to sell our products and services, but now we need to be much more conversational, conversational about how we do that, um, much more open to listening to what other people are saying about our products. Um, so from the thought leadership perspective, you know, we're, we're starting to, from, as companies, we're starting to do all kinds of things that are not just about, about being the authority on a particular topic, but are about curating content throughout our industry on that topic and, you know, giving a space for voices of other people um, in terms of specific learning formats. Um, it's more and more and more about peer-to-peer discussions. And, you know, as a, a learning expert, you know, peer-to-peer has always been part of learning. Um, I mean, technically a classroom is peer-to-peer, right? right. But, but with social media, there's just so many more avenues for really opening up those um, conversation uh, and learning channels so that your participants in your educational event are just much, much more engaged and, and more involved in their own learning, really. So, you know, a group that might put on webinars, for example, it's no longer about having a subject matter expert who presents on something for 45 minutes and then, you know, you get your 15 minutes of Q&A at the end. It's actually about how can you, how can you use you know a Twitter chat as a back channel to that webinar while it's going on, or how can you use um, different formats where you can engage your participants throughout the presentation. So you have um, you know technical things like polls and um, just open chat questions and all kinds of things like that. But these are more and more important, I think, for really valuable learning than they ever used to be. Right, absolutely. And, and I know that um, you are actually in, engaged in doing some of this uh, yourself now uh, and, and have been for a while. I mean, I remember early on, um, you know, you had educational events like the, the Buzz uh, conference that uh, I guess has been several years since you did that. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, webinar series and all those sorts of things. And then I, I've... No, recently uh, you, you've launched this new uh, private community management certificate program. So your your own you know learning training product out there. C- can you tell us a little bit about uh, what what that involves? What what is that that program? Yes, we're actually super excited about this program. Uh, we've just launched the first one in February. It's actually uh, tomorrow 
Wednesday is our, our last day of this first program. And it's an eight-week um, an eight-week private community management certificate program. So for eight weeks, we talk about all of the different aspects of running a private community, from um, deciding on the purpose of the community to um, how you might moderate, um, you know, whether it's open or closed. There's lots of different things, how you track metrics, um, what, how you measure success, um, all kinds of things related to um, private community management. But what I think is really awesome about this program is that it's designed to be peer-to-peer. -peer. So for each week, we have two discussion leaders who are association community managers, and they basically lead a telephone discussion on you know, whatever the topic of the week is. And at the same time, we have a, um, a chat, an online chat. So participants can interact with the presenters um, through the chat. And we actually host the whole program inside a Google Plus community. So in there, we have we posted um, a 20-minute, 15, 20-minute video every week that basically it's, it's like the Khan Academy model. So it's a 20-minute video with the testable content for that week. But then the actual live portion is, um, like I said, an audio call and an online chat. And then inside the Google Plus community, um, we post, or the participants post all kinds of discussion questions and we post homework and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on in between the weekly calls. So it's a, it's a very multi-pronged kind of way of learning. And this is our first one, so we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll obviously get evaluation uh, feedback from the group, but we have about 35 people in this first one and a pretty big waiting list for the next one. We just need to decide on a date. So I think it's, I think it's taking off with people, which is great. That's fantastic. And I mean, you're definitely, you know, practicing what you preach around, uh, bringing in all those different approaches to, to learning. I, I'm wondering, I mean, you're still early in this, um, but I'm, I'm sure folks are listening going, wow, that, that, that sounds fantastic. But there are also a fair number of, of moving parts there, and you're, you're involving a lot of people in, in the delivery of this. Do you have any you know, lessons learned so far or, or tips that you could share with people about you know, how to go about putting together this type of learning experience? Um, well, I think one tip is that somebody has to manage it, um, which is obviously you know, Lindy's and my job. So we do you know, request, so we set up the list of discussion leaders to begin with. And then we kind of make sure that, that each pair, um, that we have a call with them every week so that they know what they're meant to be doing. Um, so somebody's kind of in the background managing it. Um, and we, the, other, the other lesson learned is that we tend to wing it to some extent. So for the very first week, we, um, we had this audio call, but we really wanted to see if if lots of people could actually be on the call and that didn't work so well. <laughs> so, so we actually had took a step back and made it more formal than it was originally intended to be. So it was supposed to be kind of a group call. Um, and of course you can't have more than, I don't know, like eight people actually unmuted at any given moment. Right. Um, but it was still meant to be kind of an open call. Whereas instead uh, for weeks two through eight, um, it's been more planned where the two discussion leaders basically talk amongst themselves 
for 30 to 40 minutes. Um, and then, you know, we open it up to questions. We'll, we'll jump in and ask questions throughout, but we'll also have kind of a 15-minute question and answer period at the end. So it's almost like a formal webinar process, um, which is funny because, of course, we planned it to be all very um, loosey-goosey <laughs> and open. <laughs> but uh, so you do need some structure, and I think that's, that's the key. And even with the Google Plus community, um, there needs to be a place where you collect all the uh, materials that go with the, the course because um, we have slide decks and resources and all kinds of stuff. You know, that needs to be easily findable. Um, there needs to be a regular schedule so everybody knows that at noon on Wednesdays it's, it's time for class. Um, I, I think even though it's very open and collaborative and um, kind of equal in terms of who's actually hosting or who's who's you know leading the discussion um there is there are buckets of structure to it uh, which i think is a really interesting thing to think about as a you know as a as an instructional designer i guess which i never thought of myself as one but i kind of like that (laughs) (laughs) That, that's interesting i i feel like i hear that again and again um and and have experienced to myself when we're dealing with those more open collaborative interactive uh type learning experiences you still find this need to kind of strike a balance between that and, and having enough structure to, to guide people and, and to, to, you know, make sure there's some coherence to it in the end. Yeah, actually, one other lesson, too, was that some people were distracted by the chat that was going on at the same time as the audio call. So I think um, it was important to be respectful of our audience and tell them that they, they didn't have to do both if they weren't comfortable operating in both. Um, so, you know, some people could just listen to the audio by itself and then we would post the archive uh, for the chat afterwards. Um, so just that kind of flexibility is important too, because not everybody is a social media person who's used to having, you know, 57 windows open right. and a Twitter stream running along the side and, you know, all of that stuff like some of us. So, um, so and really your ultimate goal is obviously is obviously the learning, you know, making sure that everybody gets what they need out of, out of the program that you're offering. Well, it, it sounds like a fantastic program, and I definitely encourage anybody listening to go check out the Private Community Management Certificate Program. Maddie, uh, as we wrap up here, um, what's the best way for, for folks to find you out there on the web? Um, yes, I am on Twitter, at um, Maddie Grant, and uh, website is socialfish.org. Great. Well, I'm glad we finally caught up for this conversation. Thanks so much again for joining today. (laughs) Thank you so much. That wraps up my conversation with Maddie Grant. I do urge you to go and check out the Social Fish Community Manager Certificate Program. You can get there quickly just by going to www.socialfish.org slash certificate. And if you have read Leading the Learning Revolution, uh, or even if you haven't, I'll tell you right now that I think that that community model is one of the most compelling models there is right now for learning and education products. So this program represents a great chance for you to really build your skills in uh, leading that type of learning experience well. So I hope you'll check that out. 
This is also the part in the show where I make my appeal to you to say that uh, if you have been enjoying The Learning Revolution, uh, I'd be grateful if you'd make a quick trip over to iTunes to tell the world that. You can get there quickly just by going to www.learningrevolution.net slash iTunes. Uh, once you arrive on the webpage, you'll need to click View in iTunes over to your left, and then you'll be able to click on the Ratings and Reviews tab and, and leave your rating and or your review. I'd also be grateful if you'd consider sharing the podcast with your network. Uh, one easy way to do that is simply by going to learningrevolution.net slash share, and that will automatically populate a tweet for you to send out to your network. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. This is Jeff Cobb, and I am signing off from the revolution. Revolution.